Let's open our Bibles again to Proverbs 4, the fourth chapter of Proverbs. As you're turning there, uh, I'm going to do something a little unusual. I'm going to recommend a book, not for you to take this morning. We give away books a lot on Sunday nights. Uh, This morning, I only have one copy, but I would encourage you, if you're interested, to review this after uh, the service this morning. This book is written by a, a pastor, a writer named Champ Thornton. Maybe you've heard of him or read some books by him. And this is an unusual book. And that this book is for you to work through the book of Proverbs, following along the guide in this book. It's something of a short uh, study guide, but also Bible study through the book of Proverbs. And it's really a a guide and a journal so that you would take note of things and uh, consider applications of wisdom in the book of Proverbs. And then... After you do that for a few months or a year, however long it takes you, then you would give it to someone else. Maybe one of your children, maybe a grandchild, maybe somebody in this church uh, who you would love to see them grow in the way of wisdom. So the title of it is Pass It On, subtitle A Proverbs Journal for the Next Generation. And so I'm just going to put it down here on this table. Now, I know that this means you'll have to remember about it in 45 minutes, right? Uh, but maybe you'll jot yourself a note if that interests you. And then, of course, you can find it at all major booksellers worldwide, including that small bookseller named Amazon. You can find it there. All right. Uh, if you want to take it, um, ask me and I'll see if we have an extra copy for you. But this is not like Sunday nights where we give them out. This is for you to, to review. You're in Proverbs 4. Uh, let's pray together and then we'll consider what God has for us this morning from, from this chapter. Oh, God, we are so thankful that when all else fails, you never do. We're thankful that nothing can separate us from your love through Jesus. We're so grateful that we are yours, that you are ours. We're thankful for your peace, your peace that comes in the midst of storms. When we look to you and we find shelter in you, even during affliction. So, Father, we draw near to you again this morning through Jesus. We thank you for your word as it guides us. And we pray that we be people of your word, not just knowing it, but living it. And Lord, we ask again for those who are here this morning in this building who have not come to you through Christ. So they don't know this lasting peace, this deep rooted joy that enters into eternity. We pray that you would save. Lord, please build up this church through your word in Jesus name. Amen. So I've been a a coach for 25 years, different sports, different seasons, but I've coached for 25 years. I've been a teacher in some capacity or another for 20 years. I've been a parent for 15 years. I've been a pastor for 10 years. What that means is I've done a lot of talking. I've given thousands of pregame speeches, of halftime pep talks, of lessons, curriculum, thousands of messages and sermons. And in most of those, no matter if it's a one-on-one conversation or if I'm addressing thousands of students, in most of those, I will either begin or throughout, I will say something like, listen. Listen, or if it's a larger crowd or a noisy atmosphere, I'll say, hey, 
Pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention. Focus. I just woke up some of you. No matter the context, when somebody addresses a crowd or even just another person, there's usually at the beginning some call to lean in, to hear, to listen. Right? So, so in a few hours, Dan Campbell will gather the Detroit Lions around him and he'll give them some kind of pregame pep talk. And I don't know exactly what he'll say. He may not know yet what he'll say. Never quite sure what he'll say. But I do bet, I, I bet, I don't actually bet, but I, I think... That he will say something like, hey guys, listen up, listen up. Okay, here we go. Listen to what I have to say. Pay attention. Now, when that happens, what normally follows is something they've already been told. This is true as a parent, right? Right? Hey kids, listen, listen. No, you can't do that. I told you that yesterday. You can't do that. Right? It's true for teachers. and It's, it's true for you. You usually say things by way of instruction that you've already said in the past. So why would you say it again? Why would Dan Campbell tell his players today to block and tackle and execute and work hard and mental tough? Why? Because we need the reminder. We need it. I need it. You need it. We need people to lean in and say, hey, focus, focus, pay attention, listen up, hear me, hear me. As we read Proverbs 4 earlier, as Tim led us in reading it, and maybe as you read it this past week, did you notice the three times that the wise father, Solomon, kind of leans into the microphone and says, listen, listen. Look down at the the word of God here. Look at verse 1. He says, listen, hear, O sons. Look down at verse 10. What does he say? He says, listen. Hear, my son. Look at verse 20. What does he say? He says, pay attention. Be attentive to what I'm saying. Be attentive to my words. Incline, or you might say, bend. Bend your ear. Lean in. That gives us really the structure of of this, this chapter. Three different times, the wise father here, Solomon, is going to say, focus, focus, pay attention, pay attention. I'm going to tell you something. And what does he tell us? For the most part, stuff he's already said. Not a lot here that's new, novel. It's stuff he's said in Proverbs 1 and Proverbs 2 and Proverbs 3. But here he's leaning in as a wise father and saying, you've got to pay attention. And then, unlike somebody who just kind of rants and raves and there's this like senseless speech, he gives reasons. There's logic involved. So verse 1 says, and I'm paraphrasing here, says, listen, next line, pay attention, be attentive. Look at verse 2. I'm paraphrasing. I'm giving you something good. I give you good precepts. This is good. Next time he says, listen, verse 10, he says, hear, my son, accept my words. Why? Here's the reason. I'm giving you life. That the years of your life may be many. He says, what I'm telling you, this wisdom is good. It is life. And the third time he says, pay attention in verse 20. Then down in verse 22, he says, wisdom is the good life. It's life to those who find it and healing to their flesh. So why should we listen? As Solomon says, listen, pay attention. Why? Because wisdom is good. It is life. And it leads to the good life. 
Wisdom is so important. We have to be reminded to get it, to hold on to it, and to live by it. So there are three points because there are really three, three sections here, three talks. And the first point, if you're taking notes, is from verses 1 through 9. It's simply this. Listen to generational wisdom. Listen to generational wisdom. There is something a little bit new about this wisdom in verses 1 through 9. Solomon attributes it to his father. So he's kind of footnoting it and saying, this is my source, right? So look at what he says in verse 3. He says, when I was a son with my father. Now, who is Solomon's father? David, right? We might think of him as King David. Solomon here is referring to him as, as my dad, not my father. Verse 3 speaks about his mother. Aren't you thankful for godly parents and grandparents here? Because the son is receiving wisdom from the grandparents through, through the father. So then what's this message? Well, the message is, middle of verse 4, let your heart hold fast to my words, keep my commandments, and live. So you have the, the grandfather, David, telling the, telling the son, Solomon, or the father in this case, saying, saying, listen, listen, let your heart hold on to this so that you will live. And so then Solomon, the father, is telling the son, listen, this is generational wisdom. And Solomon is, by implication, saying, I found it to be true, so I'm passing it on to you. I am so grateful for godly, wise grandparents. I'm grateful that I have some. I know that many of you have some. If you don't have godly, wise grandparents, and maybe especially if they're no longer on this earth, I'm grateful that we are in a church where there are godly, wise, older people. Is it okay to say older? Is that okay? More experienced, more mature people. Because they have generational wisdom that I lack. That, that, that some of you lack. And so listen to it. Listen to the biblical wisdom that comes out of their mouths. And, and don't just passively listen to it, but you might have to go get it. In fact, you will have to go get it. You might have to ask them for it. What does Solomon say in verse 5? This really is David's wisdom through Solomon. He says, get it. Look at verse 5. Get wisdom. What's the next word? Get insight. In case we didn't get the message, look at verse 7. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Wisdom is not to be passively received. It's to be sought after and gotten. Go get it. If I can speak to people here younger than I am, maybe especially children, teenagers, there are wise people in this church who have more life experience than you, who have walked with God longer than, than we have, and they have wisdom for you. We ought to go get it. We ought to ask them, do you have some biblical wisdom for me? Go get it. Right in the middle of those two verses that have these four commands to get, you have what the opposite of getting is. So look at the middle of verse 5. Don't forget. Don't turn away. Verse 6. Don't forsake or, or abandon. Okay. Let's focus on, on verse 7 for just a moment here. Look at verse 7. What's the beginning of wisdom? Now, later on in Proverbs, in chapter 9, we're going to read that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So that's part of the answer. But here, what's the beginning of wisdom? Get it. 
go, go get it. So the quote in the bulletin, maybe you already read it, but the quote in the bulletin from Derek Kidner is, What wisdom requires is not brains or opportunity, but decision. Do you want it? Come and get it. It's there for you. It's there for me. All we simply must do is make the choice, make the decision to to go and get it. Verse 7 has right in the middle here, it says, Whatever you get, get wisdom. Husbands, uh, have you been in the situation where your wife sends you to the store with a shopping list? In the situation? I appreciate specificity in those moments. It's really, really helpful to me, right? So, I mean, it's fine to put, you know, milk, but if you can let me know how many gallons is 1%, 2%, like what are we talking about? Okay. If there's a brand that would help me, um, you know, we need cottage cheese. How much? What curd? You know, they have small and large and... Like, specificity just helps me. Now, my wife is very patient, and when I bring things home that aren't exactly what she was hoping for, she's very patient. But specificity helps me. And sometimes we get a a list, uh, it might say something like, vegetables. Now, guys, who's with me? Who would would prefer more specificity? Yeah. Okay, Like, 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 fresh, frozen, canned, right? Which vegetables? How much? How ripe? I mean, are we eating these tomatoes tonight or are they like for next week? Okay. Or canned tomatoes. You ever walk down that aisle of canned tomatoes? There's like seasoned stewed tomatoes and diced and crushed and chopped and sliced. And so anyway, and even it helps me to know like what on that list can I not come home without? Some of you guys have been there, right? So if they don't have it, should I look for something else or do I need to go to another store to like get that thing, right? So it helps me to know, okay, listen, Kevin, whatever you get, get this. Like we need this. Even if you have to go to a different store, we, we need this. We need to get wisdom. You'll go through your life getting all kinds of things. And some of those are more important than others. And some have some kind of worthy substitute. But God says through Solomon, whatever you get, like whatever you get, whatever it costs, don't neglect to get this. You need this. We need this. That's the message of this, this first section. So, so listen to it. Now, it's not simply a like ruthless getting. There's also this call to cherish it, to love it. Do you see in verse six? Love her. So again, wisdom is personified as a lady. Love her. Keep looking down at verse 8. Prize her. She will honor you if you embrace her. So the call is to pursue wisdom with all we are and with all that we have. With our minds, we decide to get it. With our will, we go get it. And with our heart, We value it. We love it. We treasure it. We treasure it because it is the treasure. It is invaluable. And again, there's logic here. If you get wisdom, verse 4, right at the very end, you will live. Verse 6, you'll be secure. She'll keep you. She'll guard you. Verses 8 and 9, you'll be exalted. You'll be honored if you treasure, if you store, if you prize, cherish this this wisdom. 
So this first section is a call to to receive intergenerational wisdom that's being passed down to you from from wise Christians. You need it. I need it. You know what else we need? We need to pass down God's wisdom to other Christians. Implicit in this call to receive it is this call to pass it on. You can read Deuteronomy 6. It's in there. You can read the beginning of Psalm 78. It's in there. You can go to the New Testament and hear what Paul says to Timothy. Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he says, What you've heard from me, you need to entrust to others so that they can teach others. So if you're here this morning and you've been given wisdom, thank God for it, value it, treasure it, cherish it. And then how can you give it to others? How are you giving it to others? Whether or not you have children or grandchildren, if you're a Christian, you're called to instruct others. Now let's, let's lean in maybe to some specifics here. And this will apply to, to those of you who are members. We need more members of our church to pass down God's wisdom to children. We need more members of our church to, to serve in our children's ministries. Not simply to babysit or to provide crowd control, though those are important, but to take the truth of God's word, the wisdom of God's word, and to teach it to the next generation. We, we, we've told you about this need in, in months past, and the need still exists. We need Christians who've received wisdom to decide, I'm not going to be a, a Dead Sea Christian with lots of life-giving input, but, but no life-giving output. I'm, I'm going to cast pass on God's wisdom to, to the next generation. Maybe that's you. And if that's you, then you could talk with one of us leaders about how to go about that process. At the end of this first section, we're left with a choice. The choice is, is pretty clear. The choice is we're either going to get the wisdom that we're commanded to get, or we're going to, to reject it. So you might think of it this way. Either you will receive wisdom or you will reject wisdom. And you can't not make a choice. In fact, right now you are choosing. Right now you're choosing. I'm choosing right now. Because there's wisdom. And either I'm going to receive it or I'm going to reject it. There's no third option. This leads us right into the second lesson from the wise father. It begins in verse 10, goes down through verse 19. There's another choice. And the point, point number two, is to, to choose the path of wisdom. Choose the path of wisdom. Wisdom's all about making choices. Life is full of choices. Have you ever considered how many choices you make? If you get right down to it, every second of your life, you're making a choice. Like right now, I'm choosing what word will come out of my mouth next. And you're choosing what you'll do with whatever word comes out of my mouth next. And you can, of course, expand that to all kinds of choices in our lives. And wisdom is the discernment to be able to say, this is best this is not best, so I will do this, I will choose this, I, I will not choose this. The picture here in this passage, verses 10 through 19, uh, that the choices are two paths, two ways. You have the way of wisdom, verses 10 through 13, and then you have the way of wickedness, verses 14 through 17. How does the way of wisdom start? Well, it starts by listening and taking in wise words, verse 10. I'm not going to yell at this time, but he says, listen, right? listen. Verse 11, it continues with following wise guidance. These verbs in verse 11 have the idea of continuing action. So Solomon is telling his children, I'm leading you down the path of wisdom. 
I'm guiding you in wisdom. This is the way. Let's, let's, let's go this way. This is the right way. When we leave the building here in, in a half hour or so, there'll be some of you parents with children, and you'll tell your children, come on, like, let's go this way. And sometimes they take the wrong way, you know, the wrong stairs, the wrong door, and you say, no, no, this is the way. And Solomon is saying, here, here's the way, here's the path. Let's go. We're, we're going down this path. What's the path like? Look at verse 12. It's secure. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. If you run, you will not stumble. I enjoy going on, you know, trails in the, in the woods. I enjoy technical trails even. But, but the way of wisdom is, is not full of roots that will trip us up. It's not full of ankle-breaking holes. It's secure. You, you're going you're to be good on this, on this way. In fact, this way is the way of life. Verse 13. The way of wisdom is, is the way of life for those who grab on and, and don't let go and, and guard wisdom. What's the other option? Well, well over here we have the second path. And it's, it's very different. Solomon's not saying go down this path. In fact, he's saying very, very clearly, do not. Do not. You don't want to go that way. Look at all these commands in verse 14 and 15. Do not enter. Do not walk. Avoid it. Do not go. Turn away from it. Pass on. Like we, He couldn't be more clear, right? So this is not like the, as you're driving, you know, the sign that says, you know, like, slow down. Now, this is the sign that says, bridge out ahead. Like one you might ignore, but the other one you better not. If you, if you ignore that, you will be destroyed. And that's the way of, of wickedness. In fact, the wicked, look at how they're described in verses 16 and 17. Look at how they have so twisted reality. In verse 16, they can't sleep unless they have done wrong. They can't sleep unless they have made someone else stumble. Now, a person who has the Holy Spirit and who has a conscience that is calibrated correctly, we sometimes can't sleep if we've done wrong. We realize, oh, my, my, my sin. Oh, I, I said this and I shouldn't have. Oh, I, I made that person uh, head down a, a, a wrong path. Oh, I, I, it robs me of sleep. But the way the wicked, they can't sleep unless they do wrong. In fact, their sustenance... Verse 17, their sustenance is wickedness and violence. That's how they live. What a twisted perversion of reality. Is, is that really the way you want to live? I mean, I mean, the signs are one thing, right? The signs say, don't go. And then you look down and, and you realize the end is destruction. Is that really the way you want to go? Now, in reality... Though we sometimes do get signs like that. Usually, we don't see the destruction, do we? Usually, that path looks enticing. I mean, people that, that, we, that we like and maybe even people that we want to like us are, are down that path. And it looks like they're having fun. And it maybe even seems like, like I can like start on the path and then if I, if I get too far, then I can back up and, and, and go on the other path. That's, that's how... Usually the path, path looks, right? It doesn't look like the bridge is out and cars are stacked up at the bottom. 
So Solomon says, understand, understand what comes at the end of this path and the end of this path. You have two choices. You can either go this way or this way. And verse 18 lays out the end of of this way. Verse 18, the path of the righteous, the way of, of wisdom is like the light of dawn. It shines brighter and brighter until full day. Okay? The picture is of maybe, maybe the sun beginning to rise. And first it's kind of a little bit dark, but then the light increases, increases, increases until the, the sun is... Do you guys remember the sun? Remember what that looked like? Remember? <laughs> until it's blazing and the, and the light is full. But then the way of, of the wicked, verse 19, deep darkness. Deep, deep darkness. It's the same word used in Exodus for the plague that sent deep darkness on the land of Egypt. They don't know what they, what they fall over, what they stumble over. So at the end of the first section here, verses 1 through 9, we had a choice. It was either to receive wisdom or to reject wisdom. And the choice here at the end of the second section is, is similar. It's either the way of wisdom or the way of wickedness. And if you want to go down this way, the commands are simple. Just to, to grab hold of wisdom, verse 13. Don't let go. Guard it. There's something really amazing about wisdom in this, in this chapter. Maybe you noted it as you were studying it this week. So look at verse 13. There's a word guard. Guard what? Guard her. That's lady wisdom personified, right? Guard her. If you do that, look at the end of verse 6. She will guard you. Jump ahead now to verse 21. We're called to keep wise words. Keep them within your heart. Keep them. Look back at verse 6. If you keep wisdom, what will wisdom do for you? She will keep you. Hang on to wisdom. Grab it. Guard it. Keep it. And if you do that, wisdom will will guard you. And wisdom will, will keep you. So which choice are you going to make? Which choice are you making? This path? This path. There's really only two options, and right now we all are choosing one of them. Because, see, this not, it's not a, just a one-time choice. It's not simply like, well, if I, if I step on this path, then I don't have to worry about any other choices in my life. No, we'll be tempted. We'll be tempted almost literally constantly to, to go back to this path. Right? It's not a one-time choice. You'll be tempted all day, every day. So what does Solomon say in verse 20? What does he say? He says, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. I'm going to say something I've said before because you're going to be tempted to go down this path. So pay attention, verse 20, my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Listen. So the third point of, of the sermon comes from this last section, verses 20 through 27. Stay on the path with vigilance. Stay on the path with vigilance. Some of you have been to amusement parks. You've ridden roller coasters, right? And there's like the moment of decision, right? Like you get in the car and that like bar comes down and you think, is that thing really going to hold? Like, really? That's all? Okay. But, but it comes down and then the car starts moving and you've made the choice. Like you're on for the ride. That's not what this choice is. This choice is not one time step on this path and you're good. No, the choice is every moment of every day, you'll have to choose to do what's right. You'll get the opportunity to, to stay on the path with, with vigilance. 
Verse 23 is the, the central focus of this passage. Look at verse 23 again. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Keep, protect, guard your heart. That is who you really are inside. This word means your, your mind, your emotions, your will. It's kind of like everything that we can't see about you. Take all the physical stuff out. Whatever it is that makes you, you, apart from what we see, that's this word. Keep it, guard it with all vigilance, with all vigilance. How do you keep your heart with all vigilance? Well, look at verses 20 through 22, right? You take in wisdom, verse 20. Verse 21, what do you do? You keep watch over it. Have you been in a babysitting situation where the parents say, don't let this one out of your sight. Like keep, keep an eye on this one. Now, wisdom isn't tricky trying to get away from you. But the focus is, no, no, don't let my words, verse 21, don't let them escape from your sight. Keep them in front of you. Keep them within your heart. So that means you, you guard wisdom. You grab it. You hold on. I was thinking of a couple like, illustrations of this. Have you ever seen a toddler with a bag of fruit snacks? Like... They're going to get it, and you will not take it from their hands. They're going to grab it and guard it and hang on. Or have you seen a, maybe a, a defensive lineman when the quarterback fumbles the ball? Like, they know they probably shouldn't, like, scoop and score. They probably should just fall on it, but then 20 other guys are going to fall on them, and they're just hanging on. They're, they're going to get it, and they're going to guard it. And that's the idea here of, of wisdom. Get it. Hang on to it. Why? Why? Well, from it, keep reading in verse 23, from your heart flow the springs of life. Your entire life, your entire being flows from what's inside of you. Your words, verse 24, your words flow from your heart. This is why Jesus said in Luke 6, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's really not accurate when, when we say something, we say, Oh, but that's not really what I meant. Now, we understand what, what you mean by that. But it came from, from the heart. Actions come from our heart. Look at verse 26. The way that we walk, the way we go, comes from, from the heart. So Jesus says in Mark 7, From within, out of the heart of man, Jesus says, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, Adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. Jesus says, all these evil things come from within. If you're like me, you're so quick to blame your sin, blame my sin on the temptation around me or how hard life is in the moment. But Jesus says the sin comes from within, from, from the heart. From the, from the heart flow the springs of life. Maybe this morning you're here and, and you've been able to, pretty well to actually put on uh, an image that seems respectable. That, it, that is respectable. That there's some, there's some goodness that people who know you think, oh, that person, I mean, they... They really say some, some good stuff and, and they really live a good life. And 
You're able to control your words and your actions in public so that you're perceived in a certain way. Maybe maybe you're known as a kind, loving, good person. Maybe others would never expect that your heart has never been cleaned. That the fountainhead of, of, of life is, is rotten, it's bitter. Well, if that's true of you, no matter what people perceive of you, if that's true of you, then, then the good news is, we all have that same need. None of us were born with a, with a pure heart, a clean heart. We were all born with, with a wicked heart. All of us. The only difference is that some of us have, have taken our wickedness, taken our sin, and gone to God through His Son Jesus and asked Him to forgive us. And, and we've just turned and repented of, of our sin and said, Lord, cleanse me, wash me, make me new, give me new life, Rest, restore life to to my heart and that's maybe what you need today is you need a clean heart a new heart more importantly you need a a forgiven heart and so the call for you is is just to go to god through jesus just to repent and believe in what god has done for for you through his son jesus to trust that jesus the perfect one who didn't have a, a wicked heart that he decided to take all the punishment for the wickedness that's in my heart and, and in yours. And he decided to take the punishment for that sin. And, and he died in our place. So that those of us who have wickedness in our hearts. That, that we can receive his purity, his forgiveness, his righteousness. That we can actually obey God and follow his, his good way. Follow the, the way of wisdom. The choice before you today is, is to either turn to God or turn away from God. So the choice really is for, is for everyone here. Right? Receive wisdom, reject wisdom. Get, get on the path of, of, of wisdom or get on the path of wickedness. Stay on the path or end of chapter 4, verse 27 swerve do not swerve those who've gone before us in life those wise christians grandparents or just more mature christians they're they're calling to us to make the right choice in essence they're saying listen listen hear children pay attention pay attention there's good life and there's destruction what are you choosing because you're choosing something we all are. Let's pause and pray, shall we? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? And I'll give you just a few moments of quiet as you consider these choices. Maybe you would respond by, by choosing God and choosing Jesus and choosing his way of wisdom. I pray I'll just mention that I'll be in the back after our service and there'll be some other leaders from our church back there and we would love to help you 
If you have questions about how to trust in Jesus or how to choose wisdom, how to receive it, then you can certainly ask people that you came with or people sitting near you, but we'd be more than happy to, to talk with you about that as well. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for the wisdom that it has. Lord, help us to get it. Help us to value it. Help us to treasure it. Help us to make right choices. Father, we thank you that you love us. You love us so much that you sent Jesus to die for us. And we thank you that in your love for us, you've given us the way forward. You've given us the way of wisdom. So help us to follow it, Lord. We we confess we fail so often. Thank you for the forgiveness and the mercy that is found in Jesus. We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray all this. Amen.